When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out the Performance Anxiety Podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I am your host, Mark, and I want to thank our sponsor, AKG, for sending us their Podcaster Essentials Kit. It comes with a Lira mic and a great set of headphones. If you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, that is the best way to do it. Eric Goltz and Dave Fulton of the band Motric are my guests. Motric is on the front lines of a Krautrock revival. The band's origin can be traced back to a drunken conversation about the genre. And it's really funny to listen as the memories come flooding back to Dave and Eric to go through the band's history. They give me a really good lesson on Krautrock and what drew them to it in the first place. Motric has also gone through a few changes, like starting off as an instrumental band and then adding lyrics as they grew. They tell me how they one-up Kraftwerk and how a conversation with artist Jonas Hartley about fog machines led to a Unifox. At one point, my dog interrupts us, and I make Eric feel bad about photographing an album cover. But follow Motric at Motric Band on Instagram, M-O-T-R-I-K-B-A-N-D. Order the new album Moon from Bandcamp or their label Jealous Butcher. Follow us at Performance ANX on all the socials, and you can support the show at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety or buy merch at performanceanx.threadless.com. So hop on the space train and check out Eric Goltz and Dave Folden of Motric on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Shit, all right, I'm going to try it. Yep. Here we go. Hi, this is Eric and Dave from Hello. Motric. Dave, you're talking over me, buddy. Jesus fucking Christ. There's, there's, there's your promo. And you're listening. You're listening to performance anxiety. <laughs> That's the one. All right, let me try again. Let me try again. <sighs> Are you ready, Dave? Quiet. Quiet. You in a, you in a quiet space? You. Yeah. Hey, this is Eric and Dave, and you're listening to. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Hey, this is Eric. And Dave. I'm Dave. That's Dave from the band Motric. And uh, you're listening to Performance Anxiety. Hey, Dave, let's do a combo one. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, ready? But let's not. 
Okay, it's just, let's not talk it through. Here we go. Hey, this is Eric. Uh, and I'm Dave. And, and we're in Motric. We're in Motric. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a new album. And we have some performance anxiety. Thanks uh, for listening. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I want to put it in this thing here. Okay. No more, sh- no more shaky cam. Okay. <laughs> All right. I was telling Mark when we first oh, we couldn't no. reach you. Is it dialing first? somebody? What? No, I hope not. There. I was telling Mark when we first started that wasn't you know such a great idea that we got both of us. Are you there? You know? y- yeah. Dave. Oh no! I turned you down. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm recording all of this. I hope so. This is important. This I is... don't know what I look like, but there you there we go. All right. Okay. Peace. <laughs> all right. Is everybody where we can hear and see each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Okay, so thank you guys. I appreciate you doing this. This is uh, this is gonna be fun. Appreciate you having us. Yeah, thanks. The way I like to normally start things is by finding out a little bit about your histories and your background. How, not just how you guys got together, but how you got into music in the first place. So, let's, Dave. Let's start with you. Was there a lot of music growing up in the house? Was was music a big part of your life growing up? Well, I would say it was. My dad ultimately succumbed to uh, being a musician. I mean, that's that's what he was doing until he passed away. Wow. Uh, so it kind of happened uh, at the divorce point. So dad went off and bought a guitar to punish my mom. So Interesting. I guess. I don't know. That's kind of, you know, I was young at that point. I just know that when I started going out to visit him every summer, my bedroom was custom amplifiers with uh, sheets and other things thrown over the top to form the furniture of the bedroom. Yeah, they're the, the, t- the tuck and rolls, right? Yeah, it was actually really cool. I mean, it was, it was kind of great to grow up and every year there'd be a different crop because my dad got really good at doing the tuck and roll <laughs> he did he would redo all the tuck and roll on it his he wow. wanted his stuff to look great oh were nice. they the the uh, sparkle tuck and no roll sparkle always the black oh, i have no memory of any of the sparkle I, 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 from those days Whoa. no sparkle no sparkle so when did you start taking music seriously then? Were you taking lessons as a kid or was, was it a school band or? Um, well, that's a complicated issue. In other words, there was none of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a desire, but there also was a desire to do other things uh, at that time. So, uh, yes, I bought, I bought a guitar to punish my mom. Um, and realized that my dad was kind of right because dad always wanted me to practice and I also realized I was a terrible guitarist Ah. so when my love of computers 
uh, joined my love of building synthesizers happened in around the late 70s, early oh, wow. definitely by 1980. And, and that was my, my fate was sealed. I was back into the music. Wow. So what were you really influenced so, by at the time? I mean, I, now, and, and you're going to, you guys are going to have to teach me and forgive my ignorance and, and teach me about Krautrock because I am, I don't know much about the genre at all. And I know that's what you, Motrix, the music is based around. So, but you guys do a lot more than just that. So what, what were your influences growing up? Obviously the Krautrock, but what else was there? Are you talking to me specifically? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll get to um, Eric eventually. Oh, I grew up with the usuals. When when the divorce happened, uh, there was a crate of my dad's records there that included, you know, early Beatle albums. Some albums I regret getting rid of. Lots of mono editions, VJ editions, stuff that I know is wow. really valuable now. But I don't know what happened to them. Uh, but those were obviously a huge influence. I I I think that. I think that and a desire to do drugs was kind of, uh, well, I mean, psychedelics. Okay. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing uh, injectable. Nothing that would hurt me. Right. <laughs> um, not really. Nothing sharp and pointy. Yeah, nothing sharp. I was more interested in just smoking the, the cannabis at the time. Okay. I feel like um, that's kind of the, the crux of what we're about. It's nothing sharp and pointy. <laughs> Except those yeah, guitar riffs. this conversation, you know, like we want the, the takeaway. That's the takeaway. <laughs> nothing, nothing sharp and pointy. pointy. Yeah. Maybe that's what Never I'll title this, this episode. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. If, if To answer the final bit of your questions, uh, um, uh, what is Krautrock? Think of it as, I mean, it started as a hippie, you know, kind of the anti, the, the German youth were rejecting, obviously, what had happened in the prior generation, the World War II mm -hmm. generation. They they had a lot of questions they needed to ask their parents. It's, I mean, they much, much more. I mean, they were going through the same kind of, of turmoil in the late 60s as the United States was. So out of that movement came a very unique form of music uh, that actually was kind of a really broad range of music so that they that kind of adopted of their own. They didn't want to do necessarily the English progressive rock or the American progressive rock. It was the, you know their own thing, and okay. it affectionately is known as Krautrock. Okay. And I'll let Eric describe what some of those bands might be, you know, because, you know, that's kind of really important. There's a variety of styles, but it's all very uniquely German. So, Eric, let's get to you. How did you get into music initially? Bands, lessons, marching band? What, what was it? I think growing up, uh, I, I think it has to come back to my mom playing piano and... And she's also a really good singer. And so she would sing, play piano. Okay. Not often, uh, but sometimes. Like definitely Christmas Eve of wonderful memories of hearing oh, wow. those sounds wafting up really, really nice. That's and awesome. um, so I don't, you know, I mean, there, there was that, right? So loving music, I think from an early age, hearing those sounds, getting really in, into the 
just how it makes you feel. Um, okay. And that was like a warm, comforting feel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think all kinds of sounds always interested me, like kind of captivated me. So I think when I saw that there was this machine where, you know, music could come out of it and, uh, I'm referring to a radio. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And, and when I heard that, you know, like that fascinated me too. So, um, and then we had this Beatles record that my brother and I would put on 45 instead of 33. We listened to Sergeant Pepper's double speed. Nice. And sing along like chipmunks and that that's kind of another touchstone moment. I feel my, you know, my um, brother and I used to do the same thing. We also had, we had a record player that also go down to 16. And so oh. we would play the chipmunks really slow. Evil. And then, oh. and then we would also I mean, play. That was, that was my jam. Yeah. 16. <laughs> yeah. You could play the chipmunks and then it would sound like the Beatles. Yeah. But then David Seville sounded like Satan. Yeah. He always was, does. Yeah. He does at normal does. speed. <laughs> yes. It was uh, really weird. And Alvin? Then, yeah. Alvin. <laughs> yes, Dave. I mean, they just went Davy and Goliath on you that point. Hey, Dave. Oh, no. <laughs> those, those were those were indoctrinating cartoons, yeah. Davy and Goliath. <laughs> those those took you places in the early sixties. I'm early, sure. Early seventies. You didn't really need right drugs. To, with right those guys. to Jesus, camp. right to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So, what really sparked the desire to play for for both of you guys? And and I, w- I want to get to the more how you got into Krautrock specifically, uh-huh. but I want to know when did you start to play in bands? And play in front of people. When did you start getting the confidence to actually play in public? I guess I, I wanted to, for some reason, I wanted to play guitar when I was like 16, 17. Probably like 87% of youth have the same desire, but I kind of went through with it. And and I really loved blues at that point. So I was like, yeah, I want to learn how to play blues guitar. I want to play like John Lee Hooker. And, yes. Or like cop BB King, you know, riffs and all those kind of things. So that's kind of what, that was my entry point. I feel like into, oh, wow, I can do this, you know, just got to learn that one five note scale and yeah. I'm in, you know, <laughs> and it's very attractive to, to be able to do that and, and make the sounds in your head and the ones you're hearing on the the uh the sound emanating boxes that that you can you can do that too it's pretty empowering so that 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 really kind of i loved it and then like god like i don't know three months in or something my buddy and i we just started like we'd go down to pioneer courthouse square and it's like the square in the middle of portland okay and we we were from the a little town outside of portland called yam hill so it's like a big deal to go into the town and we'd sit there and we'd like, I'd been playing for like three months and then we'd make up stupid songs about things we saw. <laughs> so I, I guess, I guess my point is from very early on, it was like this performance thing. It wasn't just the songs, right? It's about like the, the performance aspect of it too. Like okay. I feel like that's I, that the theater almost, I guess. You know? Oh, okay. Putting on a show, right? Like right. that's, that's fun. Yeah. So I think that kind of like, it's the one, two punch of loving the music and then also the show. Oh, that makes sense. Dave, what about you? When did, when did you really decide that you were, you were feeling confident enough to, to join a band or, or play out in front of people in public? Well, that, that kind of was in fits and starts. Okay. In other words, I had a very complicated, there were children involved at the time. 
Okay. So there was a gap. So just when you thought just when I was like in random, my late teens. Random well, children? Just, just running in and out of his life. Yeah, just, you know, ones that you make. Oh, and, you know, yeah. Got it. Okay. And that stops what you were starting to do. And okay. your priorities change. I was getting worried so, I may have to change the title of this podcast. About the time I could start, you know, uh, ignoring them. I, uh, no, it wasn't quite that desperate <laughs> sounding. Um, no, because I mean, really by 1990, I, where I've moved to Portland and have already started playing in front of people. Okay. So it was like, it, it had to happen. It was just like, Oh, where we were living just didn't offer the opportunities to do that. Although that's, that's the difference in the small town that I was living in. They're just, you would get together with your friends or my brother and we would play in various, you know, for, you know, forms, or I would just, you know, just sit in a room by myself with a tape machine and lash together keyboard computer mechanisms throughout the eighties. Oh, wow. Uh, lots of you know experiments in space so i didn't have any real intention of, of playing out until i moved here uh to portland and then there was an electronic and experimental music scene that allowed you to try you know start playing out and honestly that's when playing out became a thing and oh, wow. something to enjoy and to take seriously that's really interesting so you were, I'm assuming you went and, and saw some stuff and then decided, all right, there's a place for me here. Were you playing with other people at the time or were you just up there by yourself? At that time, it was certainly with other people. It okay. was with, a, how shall I say, a very experimental random outfit called Dumpster, some of the first types of, uh, or things that we were actually paid to play occasionally. Oh wow! Uh, paid paid to stop most like more more often, <laughs> but it was yeah it was very experimental music, uh, and Portland had a very uh, experimental music, uh, very inventive experimental music scene in the nineties uh, and the eighties. But um, yeah, it. it Random as it comes, everybody brings every synthesizer they own or every <laughs> noise-making device they own, and you get together, and it was, you know, brilliant. <laughs> oh, it sucked. <laughs> you know, it was, it was brilliant. Sucked. It, it was a pain, pleasure for the audience. For the performer, it was always bliss. Yeah. Was that when you started uh, Dweller at the Threshold? That came out of that, yes, okay. that is correct. then i definitely the guy was cast ah it, it infiltrated you it was inside you at that point like an I alien i think it did you know and i think it did more than 
than the guys in Dweller to and, and to a greater and lesser extent true and false and different you know configurations. Uh, but I think it was real, real obvious. It's like, no, I want to grow this and mm-hmm. I want to do this more. And, and then I met Cord, and then we did other things. So uh, okay. it was a very natural evolution. So how did the band? And I, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing the, the name right because there's like well, slashes. And, okay, I don't know. I didn't, couldn't tell if it was a hard O, a soft O. How did Motric. how did you guys all come together as a band? How did you meet up? Uh, well, let's see. Dave, myself, and Lee all work together mm-hmm. at oh, Oregon cool. Public Broadcasting. Cool. Yeah. So we, we knew, like I knew Dave as kind of the weirdo down in the, in the IT area of the building <laughs> that happened to have a couple synthesizers in his office and a copy of tape op. And it's like, this guy's ah, cool. You nice. know, I, I need to like, I need to hang out with this dude. And he'd be like, Hey, you need like, I don't know. Like if I had a broken amplifier or something, he would just give it give me a new one or, or fix a synthesizer of mine. Just like so nice and so giving like this guy's cool. And I worked with Lee, like we worked together. So we knew each other. So what were you guys doing at the, the broadcasting company? Lee and I were making websites, maintaining (laughs) opb.org. Dave was, you're, you're the director. At that, at, at that point, I was the director of uh, engineer of IT engineering. Yeah, I before that I was broadcast, but everybody knows what happened in the eighties. Computers took over. Yeah, unfortunately. How did how did Cord get roped in? Because it was really I think I feel like it was Lee and you, Dave. That yeah, like you you should be telling the story because I was pulled in later. Yeah, Dave. Right, but you were pulled in almost immediately because okay, I mean, again, like by because you later. worked with yeah. us. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. the reality is, is that we and I were just having a drink, and we had this idea, and we go, let's get Eric, and it was let's play Krautrock, and who had the idea for Krautrock though? I think we were both. You know, I would. I think we both wanted to do it. That like, was, was. I don't. Was we Noi playing on about the it. stereo or something? Or it, it could have happened that way. I, you know what? That's where you need Lee because I probably was uh, really drunk at the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where all and, good ideas start. Yeah, and it kind of went like, yeah, like that. It was just very much very organic. The idea came about, and I think we asked you almost immediately, and then we asked another guy that tate peterson who was also working with us and that was how it started and then it ended real quick because tate was starting i think another thing and that kind of went off and stopped showing up and cord who i've been playing with in another band lived around the corner and there might have been a couple of five piece motrix for a while there were oh wow there were yeah Yeah. but and then tate just went off to do the tate thing and we just ended up playing together as a four piece and enjoying it. The other band I was in with Cord folded and so did the band he was in. And this kind of became where we all lived for band. almost 10 years. Yeah. Wow. 
So Krautrock was the idea from the beginning then. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. All right. So what is Krautrock? I mean, how, if like someone like like me who's not familiar with it or someone who doesn't even know what it is, how would you describe it? How would you uh, try to tell somebody, maybe, maybe a couple of bands they should check out besides Motric to kind of give them a good feel for what would be a typical Krautrock sound? All right, I'm, I'm going to do my elevator pitch for, for Krautrock. All right. Because you, you got yours in. That's great. Well, that's it, perfect. It's, yeah. it's what I planned on. I mean, it's pretty. It's a pretty long elevator, so. <laughs> Space elevator. Grab a, oh. grab a tall drink of iced tea and stick around. All right. I'm in. Um, uh, no, it's, it's, so Dave hinted at the, or didn't hint, but told about the World War II kind of thing. But there's an important component out of that. So after World War II, and I think probably during and maybe even prefacing, I'm not sure the exact time period, but like 40s, 50s, same as in America, there was some really, really shitty music being played, like really just just vanilla stuff, right? Right. And, Schlager. And in Germany, the music was called Schlager. So it was okay. a genre. Like easy listening, I guess, or something like that. But it had like maybe the the smooth kind of Glenn Miller strings, and then the crooner, that like a Goldschlager, a Goldschlager. The, the you know the skinny microphone with the little <laughs> the little Bob Barker microphone. Oh and, yes, you know, and then and then the guy kind of just he's like this perfect hair and wearing a suit, wearing a suit, all that stuff. So that was Schlager, and that was happening just like in the, you know America in the fifties. There's this kind of vanilla stuff happening, but there's this undercurrent, right? There's rock and roll surfacing. And so Kraut Rock, like you look at, you read documentaries about it or whatever, and, and the musicians they interview are like, yeah, this was a response to Schlager. Like we, it was a conscious, like we need wow. to like take off. And I think it was, you know, fuck World War II. Like our country just, what the hell was that? Right. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the people that were considerate. So, and I think the musicians that were considerate were th- okay, let's go in this whole crazy new direction. And I saw, I think they weren't afraid at all. So there's this, right? There's that, that kind of like nexus of things happening there. And then right. there's all, they're hearing all this crazy music from all over the world. Of course, in the United States, but I think, I think there was this conscious decision also to do their own thing, like go off on a trajectory, but also, um, uh, reject kind of the showmanship a little bit, um, of, of i don't want to say glam rock but like kind of the led zeppelin like here like we're putting on a giant show we're like this uber rock band right and i think like the bands the kraut rock bands i'm into are more um it's all about the music and not to say led zeppelin wasn't but i don't want to mention their name anymore in this podcast (laughs) but (laughs) they've had their time um now it's motrix time um so i think i think there is this conscious decision to reject that, that sensibility, right? Okay. And be experimental. And, and then all, and then there was technology involved, synthesizers happening. So it was just this cool, like, um, these events taking place that, that led to this, this little melting pot that Krautrock came out of and certain bands popped out of this, uh, like Noi. To me, that's like, Kraut rock, I okay. like the ultimate. Um, Klaus Dinger hitting the drums. He invented the motoric beat, 
Um, so this is another important part of the elevator pitch okay. is you have to mention the motoric beat. Okay. Essential. So, and, and it, and what, all it is. Yeah. Want me, want me to talk about that? Yes. Cause okay. I'm not exactly sure what, what you're describing. Okay. So not, not all kraut rock does this and it's not just kraut rock, but this is the drum beat that that's the motoric beat. So, and okay. so it's two kicks. Doom, doom. One snare followed by three kicks, one snare. So, and that beat, it's like this pulse, right? And, and Klaus Dinger, I don't know if it's true or not, but he's, he's kind of the guy that invented it, it seems, or made it popular. And it's just evocative of you're just going down this road, traveling or going on a trajectory in the outer space or, you know, you're moving, you're traveling. Okay. And it pushes the music forward. No matter what you're doing, you're droning, you're going, you're doing some, some changes, not many in our case, but, um, <laughs> there can be complicated music with chords circling around this beat and it works. Um, it's, it's an, a really amazing beat. And once you know the beat, you start, you know, it's like any other kind of thing you learn about, you're like, Oh yeah, it, it, that, that's familiar. Cause I've learned about it. And, and the motoric beat, you just hear it everywhere. It might not be the whole song might be for a bridge or something. Why didn't they just keep on that and, and not change and just keep on the bridge and never change. And maybe there's a weird harmony vocal over the top occasionally. Um, and that's kind of kraut rock, right? This real steady, the steady rhythm, no big jumps in chords, I would say. Um, okay. and kind of maybe some pointillism aspects around it. Now, having said that there's also kraut rocks, this huge wide cast, of genres and um, our wide net of genres and subgenres. And it's almost like saying what's rock and roll because there's all these different ideas of what it is. But I feel like what I just told you was kind of the nexus of kraut rock. Like what kind of like the, um, it's the big bang, right? Okay. Right. And from that sensibility, all you get all these other bands like can, is a whole like a different aesthetic which they're all about live improvisation highly trained musicians just crushing it you know for an hour and a half um, making amazing music but it's a little more free a little more jazzy electric miles kind of sounding as opposed to noi which is this real precise like clock clockwork machine clockwork machine very german very german (laughs) very german so there's can noi and then Kraftwerk, of course, which has the electronic component. But I think those three bands, I mean, what do you think, Dave? But I think those three bands, they, they capture that kind of, we're going to travel to a space, this, this kind of limitless expanse, but we're each going to do it in our kind of own way. But there's this, they all share this commonality of just going and uh-huh. kind of not looking back. I agree with you, except I'm going to add to that, that I think that what you actually did was define what was uniquely German about that form of rock and roll. That, that Because mm. Kraftwerk, for instance, has gone through multiple changes. You know, we were talking last night, I think uh, you were, uh, or was it Cork? It was, we were talking about Kraftwerk in 1972 with the cone. With the cone, and it was a completely different band, and it oh. was more like like Can, 
in the, it was live improvisation. It, definitely the electronics were there, but they were using them as a live performance tool uh, improvisationally. And, you know, with this you know, obvious structure, but they went through the change. And one might also say that Cam also went back and forth, you know, different albums all kind of, they, they kind of, I mean, luckily for them, they had that opportunity to, you know, to switch it up from album to album. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, maybe Tangerine Dream could be added as, you know, another iconification of, oh, wow. of what is German kraut rock without it being what is German progressive kraut rock because that opens up a whole bunch of other different areas that you know weave in and out of what is kraut rock but also can go into English uh, psychedelia or uh, progressive rock we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors Yeah, and I think people were listening to this and it was influencing, you know, music all over the world. Like there was a two-way street for sure happening. Like so many, so many bands are site craft work, you know, or can as a big influence. And th- uh, those are bands that I've actually heard of. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. At what point did you guys decide that you had enough material? You, you wanted to start recording. Was that, was that the plan from the beginning to actually record albums or would you, were you just playing live and then said, you know what? We've actually got enough material. Let, let's try to record some of it. I think we were just jamming at first, right? Like, let's, yeah. let's just get together and play. Uh, and then I think... There was a performance. There was? Yeah. Uh, long before we even thought about recording, there was this show, right? At a... A Mediterranean food place? No, Ethiopian. Ethiopian, yeah, there we go. Yeah, but we had had to have songs before that. Well, I think we got to a point, if I remember right, where we we had the songs, but he asked about recording. (laughs) So I think, I mean, I... Dave, let me tell you what Mark wants, all right? (laughs) Okay. Let me tell you right now. This is what he wants to hear. He wants to hear about the songs and then and then how and then the recording right the songs had to come before the recording they did because right. we had to play them first we had to play them first uh, it's, uh, it's all about uh, the order of these things unless, at a McDonald's unless you're just a kraut rock jam band improvisational troupe yeah so we were we got together and i feel like really early on we just started like coming up with songs Yep. Like, or the jams, this is what happened, right? Because we were all just playing and we would just start playing these things together. Like it would form from all of us, these, these ideas. I'm like, wow, that was really interesting. And okay. we have, we were in a, uh, a studio that Cord had rented out. Um, it was his, his studio space above a comic, um, Dark Horse Comics and uh, in Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Oregon. And so we always had it recording while we were doing these these jams, and okay. some really cool stuff came out. We're like, ah, what if we put that section with this section? A very organic kind of beginning to to the songwriting process, and then we'd fine tune it. And that's that's all the context I wanted to give Dave. I'm going to hand <laughs> oh, it over to you. That's <laughs> actually really really good context. It's, that was 
I forgot all about that. But right? despite yeah. the fact that, that we, because I was actually thinking about the recording, which we didn't do at, at Chord Studio. We no. did it at Type Foundry. And I think that might have been a turning point for us as well. I think at that point there, we finished the album. And at least for me, it's like, this, this band has potential. Let's keep going. That definitely came to my head. This is, this is good. This, is, this was fun and it felt right. But we did that at Type Foundry. Okay. Rest in peace. A, yeah. So the the first album, I mean, the music sounds very. Uh, it, it's a I'm trying to find the best way to describe it. It's kind of. It seems very orderly, but <laughs> it, it the song the songs in the first album it, they just kind of flow one into the other, and to me, it, with that drum beat that you're talking about, it seems you know very tight. It's very tight beat and it's almost like an interesting dichotomy where you get this really tight drum beat everybody sounds really together and in the guitar maybe even a little not i don't say angular but but each song just kind of flows it's it's a really interesting mix of, of tight and, and together but also free-flowing and and sounds jammy and improvisational it's really interesting to listen to i, I really like that dichotomy I don't know where to go think, from there, but yeah, so, I, I think but, that, and it's all instrumental. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, we love doing that where like, we'll kind of set up a framework for a song and we know during certain sections, like this is, we've got a little room to stretch, you know? Okay. So we're going to come out of it with, with a nod to each other. You know, it's not, not mapped out. And that gives us room because sometimes quarter Dave, um, we'll just start, you know, doing something and then, and then they start interacting and we get this interesting third eye appearing, you know, <laughs> over the, the river of Quarnock or something. And, and so we yeah. keep going for like 15 more minutes, you know, wow. when, we're, when we're, when we're practicing, right. Or whatever. And, and it just, you're like, Whoa, that was, that was like, what happened to time there? So we love doing that for sure. And I think hanging those kind of sections on like a structure with, mm -hmm. with these kind of, you know, a few tight riffs here and there. And I, I think that's definitely, that's what we were exploring on that album for sure. The second album, Safety Copy, that you guys added vocals on that was, did you leave vocals off the first album on purpose and then do more vocals on the second album on purpose or uh, why, why add the vocals? Did you just not want to be an instrumental, known as an instrumental band? We didn't reject anything. Okay. I, I, it just happened. I mean, there was no intention of adding vocals. There was no intention of not having vocals. It just, right? Just, yeah. Eric's like, I didn't yeah. want to sing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like, I like singing. Um, like that's part of kind of part of what I like about music. And I remember we were just practicing. We had this dumpy space. We had flood on the first floor. 
Oh, jeez. Um, and, and, you know, we've got a lot of equipment. And so go out to a, a local show, you know, where you're going to squeeze onto this little stage. But to get there, you have to bring an 8 by 10 base cabinet down these stairs and <laughs> oh, all this shit, geez. you know. And, and you love it, so you do it, right? But it, it's just it's just added to the adventure a little bit. But anyways, we're in the we're in space doing our thing, and I think I'd been doing it a while where I would just sing a little bit while I'm playing, like oh, that, there's a little hook there, or I'm just thinking of these these words, and it's that what's the song? Um, God, we haven't played it in forever. Where, it's, um, where, where I say roads, following roads, following. Oh, um, moving destination. Moving destination. That's how it started. the first song that i sang on and i just those words you know that well epic poem really those two words just came to me and i just started repeating them when we were jamming on it like oh that's that's fun and it was kind of like like the band i was in before i was singing a lot more um it was very singer song centric kind of a different different idea okay song trick song trick next band and uh, so I was. I yeah, had a cappella band. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's all it would be. Yeah. So I had a little trepidation going into it because I like I don't want this to be. I was a little nervous about it, frankly. Um, like I respect Dave and Cord and Lee's playing to such such a level that. I didn't want to make a fool of myself. So I had this kind of, tra- I, you know, all musicians are so insecure, right? So I wanted to go in there and add some bits. And I was like, so I had this trepidation. I didn't want to like come out and start, not that I belt, but do it too much, right? Because yeah. the music's so sparse. It, it needed this little pocket to work. And I realized, oh my God, that's all you need to do. And it's just, it's another layer. It's not about this whole it's not lyrics over the song. It's, it's just part of it. It's another instrument. And so that really kind of, I think when I started thinking about singing that way, um, it made it a lot easier for me and more fun. And that's one of the cool things about it is it's not vocal heavy. Yeah. The, the band is not vocal heavy. It's, it's kind of like you're saying, just what the song needs and it just adds to it. And that's one of the things I really noticed about each album. There's it well, except for the first, cause there's no vocals. Good point. <laughs> but <laughs> way to cover your tracks there. That's hey, good. Hey, good work. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a pro. That's why I make the big yeah. podcasting bucks. But as far as the song structure, is there a lot of precedence for like really stretched out songs in Krautrock? Because you guys are not afraid to do a long song. I mean, on the new album, you've got a you've got a 14 minute song backed right up against uh, the 13 minute song you've got the entire 33 album which is two songs equals 30 what 33 minutes
So is is that typical of of Krautrock, where the the song could be stretched out and and longer? Well, I would definitely say that there's a bit of both. Okay. There's room for short songs, and there's definitely a, a history of experimentally long songs you know, within the genre, definitely. I mean, Can just released a new live set, a, li- a live set that is essentially three jams. Oh, wow. Okay. And they're all like 30 minutes, 40 minutes long, um, which is kind of, you know, album length. And that's awesome. That could be an entire album. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, I mean, I, so the precedence is set. And we just are, you know, just sure everything's been done before. Long, we've done some, now we're doing some shorter stuff, which I'm enjoying uh, as well. Uh, but definitely, I like the long bits. You definitely get to, f- you know, be featured in the longer bits, that's for sure. The, uh, I think everybody gets to be featured a bit in the long bits. Yeah, and, and going on on the bands playing for a long time kind of thing, uh, bringing up Can again, they used to, in their practice sessions, play a single riff for an entire day. Oh, my God. Like eight, eight hours. So I assume there's, you know bathroom breaks you know but the the groove kept going right like wow. someone was playing and then i assume that's kind of like a p-funk style right rotating yeah. in and out kind of like to keep it rolling um, okay but yeah eight hours they would just go to and not not to like learn something but to like explore a basic riff like really cool that's fascinating so, you know and i think it goes back to this this road this this trajectory that you just keep going on and that's that's the it's it's kind of like the journey is the um the destination and that's that's a, that's the constant you know the the, the the electronic aspect of of german teutonic music uh that repeating whether it's the motric beat or whether it's the the sequence that repeats over and over again okay. uh and you you improvise around it's that's that's the thing that ties tangerine dream together with can now you guys definitely have some other influences creeping in there because i was listening to the king of tonga and that's got this really like down and dirty groove going on it, it that sounds awesome I, that track is great that's a fun one yeah that's what? a uh that's a chord amato riff okay right there our guitar yep. player yeah is it nice it's, it's yeah so what else what else is creeping into into the the sounds besides krautrock because is it oh yeah there's there's definitely some other influences going on in the music totally there and there's a lot of contemporary um influences for sure okay like we definitely went through the our King Gizzard phase. Uh, like yeah. I think a lot of a lot of folks 
you have we re- like that song rattlesnake really kind of uh i think that that one influenced us and that definitely had a an influence on king of tonga i'd say with that kind of um okay that makes sense now yeah you know and and i think seeing a a band not taking themselves too seriously like they're really having fun you see it in their videos and stuff oh yeah um especially that period i just that's that's cool stuff so i think that um and then for me personally like lcd sound system which i think lee is heavily influenced and to a lesser extent chord and Dave just discovered them, so he's. I'm I'm so proud of you, Dave. I'm new to the MGA party. <laughs> We're all so proud of Dave for discovering yeah. LCD sounds. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so that kind of like like funk, electro, punk mixture. I think uh, it might not rear its head as much in Motric, but that's definitely an influence in something that's driving driving uh my aesthetic when i'm thinking of what i want to play i can definitely hear a, a little bit of uh like some richard lloyd influence in the guitar like on, on and I, I don't know if i'm gonna pronounce this right Neiman one like around the 12 minute mark i it sounds like something from marquee moon is is creeping into the to the song for sure yeah we, that would yeah we've discussed you know we've discussed marquee moon at at length. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, and Lee is like, Oh, I found this, you know, they released this sweet live recording of, of, you know, of, of Marquee Moon and, or, or the, the, the Epic Jammer. Right. And so for sure. That's- yeah. I, th- I think we're all, are we all television fans? Oh God. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, did you see them? Luck- I didn't see them in a the day, but I was so lucky to see them a few years ago at the Aladdin. And it was just, it was awesome. Oh, cool. I'm I'm enjoying talking to you guys. I don't need to reflect on uh, Richard Lloyd being so curt. Well, well, you you brought you brought him up with the with the Neumann one, right? I, yes, right. And or Neyman, Neyman, not Neumann, Neyman. microphone. Yeah, yeah. Which I think I was looking like what is what side in German? So it's side one, side two. Oh, okay. But I don't. It might be a different word. Ver, you know, side used for. I don't know something you throw on a house or I, you know, yeah, we could be way off. Side of beef, oh, beef. yeah. Side oh, of beef. Dave, you and I are on the yeah. same wavelength. Yeah. That's amazing. Side of beef. That's There's an album title. I was gonna say it's the next Motric album. Side of beef. Uh, but those those two songs, when we were recording the first album at Type Foundry, we just came in. I think I think it started at like 11 a.m. The session. We were in for two days yeah, and, and, and we'd all kind of show up around then. And while the engineer, Jason powers shout out yes. was getting sounds, um, we would kind of improvise and turns out he was recording and we just kind of did that whole thing. Just, That's just kind of playing. Awesome. There were, there were two takes, two takes. Yeah. Right. And was, I'm trying to remember what we were jamming on one of the takes and Lee just came in. Like he arrived a little bit later than the Literally rest of us. Literally walked in the door and started playing. Yeah. Wow. Sat down and went. <laughs> oh, uh, and so I think awesome. that's what the two takes were, was yeah. the one where he walked in the door, started playing. That's like side one maybe. And then side yeah. two is like, Hey, let's just try that again. That was pretty cool. That is awesome. Oh my gosh. And I don't think there were overdubs or no, there may have been an edit or two for length. Yeah. 
but wow. I don't know there lots, like there's moments in there where I'm like, that sounds like an edit, but, but I know it's not like there is these cool mind meld things happening for sure. That is awesome. I, so I have a question for you guys, you know, aside from the obvious, what is a Unifox? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's from the mind of, the mind uh, of the creator, the yeah. creator, Jonas Hartley. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's an it, interesting it, guy. Oh, the yeah. The Unifox is on the cover. Obviously. Can you imagine the creator of the Unifox being an interesting guy? I, I you know, it's hard to believe, but I'll, yeah. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> He's awesome. He's such a great guy. So how did the Unifox come about? I mean, that's... All right. So so we played the show in Portland at the Doug Fur Lounge. Um, and I was dutifully manning the merch booth. And this guy comes up and says, uh, Oh, so a little preface to this is when we play live, uh, like Dave mentioned the cone with Kraftwerk, we have a cone on stage and we, but we one up Kraftwerk. We shoot fog through the cone. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Um, pretty sweet. Sometimes we'll throw a strobe light on it too. Yeah. So it lights um, up pretty lights up pretty. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you're, if you're not into the music, you know, come for the fog yeah, and cone. the cone. Yeah. And, and so this guy comes up and, and I, we get an interesting crew that comes up after shows, you know, it's like people <laughs> that really kind of want to nerd out. And I just like, okay, talk to Dave, yeah. have, have your little tangerine dream session. <laughs> have, have fun with that. Uh, but this guy came up and he asked me directly, Hey, what kind of fog machine was that? And so immediately my heart went out to him like this, <laughs> this, he understands me. Um, so it's, well, it's a Chauvet hurricane, you know, like, like, Oh yeah. So we're talking fog machines and, 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 and it comes out that, that, uh, he's into like lights, you know, like lasers and stuff. And okay. oh, that's cool. Like, he's like, yeah. And, and I'm trying to like, I want to do some, do some lasers and, and fog stuff, you know? Oh yeah. Speaking my language, buddy. Like let's, let's keep chatting. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm also like, um, I'm an artist too. Here, I'll show you some of the things I make, but kind of offhand, like the focus of this is the fog and the laser. Like that was, okay. You know, that's, that's the important part that we were discussing. Mm -hmm. The the art was an aside. And he starts showing me these pictures of like full size paper mache horses whoa that he's working on like life-size lifelike like really realistic oh um God. and he's making like plywood frames for these things to hang this paper mache because they're so heavy you know at the point yeah these are and uh octopus tentacles and and unifoxes unifoxes yep. yeah wow. i saw i think it may have been that first conversation where i saw the unifox possibly i might be making this up too didn't one of the horses was a unicorn was it not oh yeah he's into unicorns yeah but then he's into like these <laughs> i'm acting like a unicorn's a real animal <laughs> say he's into these imaginary animals like he's, he's, he likes <laughs> unicorns and the imaginary ones and the imaginary animals yeah yeah so he and yeah he does combinations of animals like he'll do a pegasus kind of thing um so so there's that, right? I'm a like, unigator. Oh a uni oh, I hope he listens it's to this. Yeah. Um, 
so there was that conversation and, and he's, and he was a big fan. He's like, I, you know, just love this music. And, and so he was down to help us out. I think we were, we'd text back and forth about like stupid ideas. I'm like, let's combine the lasers and the animals. And so let's put <laughs> eyes in the Unifox. What do you think about that? And he's like, Oh my God, like why this is, this just exists already. Like this is, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, of course, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's the thing that has to happen. Oh yeah. And so he was, a, he, he kind of became before we stopped playing due to COVID. Um, he kind of became part of like the show, like, Oh, is Jonas bringing his stuff and he would bring the Unifox. I'd sit it on top of my bass amp and, um, and then he'd run other laser pattern things going while we're playing super wow. fun. Yeah. He had like cards, like he would get more people like after the show talking to him than to us, I feel. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right, so you're going to have to give me, I'm, I'm hoping he has an Instagram account cause I want to tag it. Totally him. does. It's yeah. let's shout out to Jonas. I think it's just at Jonas Hartley. Let me, let me look it up here. Cause, cause I got to make sure he gets tagged in this. Yeah. Hell he yeah. also oh, he's uh, helped out, uh, with the, uh, uh, the video, uh, artificial head. That's right. Oh, yep. cool. Or is it automatic head? Okay, so here he is. Oh, that's funny. You type in Jonas and you get Jonas Brothers. Oh. <laughs> the anti Jonas. The anti Jonas. But you also get Jonas Hartley. Oh, he's made a Viper recently. Um, a Univiper? So it's, it's Jonas, J O N A S H A R T L E Y. Jonas Hartley. All right, so we got to yeah. check him out and we'll tag him on the posts. Tag cause... him on the post. Because. I want him listening to this, and I, I want to uh, see if he makes a Unigator or the a Univiper. You should talk to this guy. Yeah, he's he's great. Really sweet guy, for sure. So the, the new album, there's a little bit of a difference with Moon. There's some vocals, but they're not as clean as the vocals on the other albums. So it sounds like you... you Really, you've got some reverb on there. They're a little more ethereal, whereas the other vocals were a lot cleaner, like you were just on a mic and then did the vocals, and that's the way they stayed. These look sound a little more maybe processed. or Was that a conscious decision to, to make all the vocals a little more ethereal? I, th I think they were, uh, like, the, the material kind of begged for that. Like, it just kind of locked it made sense because there the other things in the songs i think this album there's a lot of shifting layers and kind of these precise frequency level things happening that are a little more subtle maybe and so the vocals kind of did that as well um i think a big part of it too is the guy that helped us record and produce it jonah nold we know these jonah types yeah <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't have an s on the end um and he, he helped us record this thing and, and mix it. And I think, I mean, we were always like, yeah, put more stuff on the vocals, like, you know, trip it out as much as you want, you know, have fun with it kind of thing. So we weren't nice. afraid, but 
really the uh, the ultimate aesthetic choices like the final twisting of the knobs was was up to him and i when he would come in with the mix i just be like yeah that's that's now we're talking kind of thing and, and i'm kind of glad you said that because uh, about it sounding ethereal rather than effects because it, it, it's not over the top you're not like drenched in just reverb right. a day it's it's i think it at least a couple of songs though you doubled your own vocals on the synthesizer so that and i think you Jonah and you went back and forth about how to get that just right and it really did kind of it's not reverb it's something else and yeah i think it's quite unique i i really love it i think it's it really adds to the whole feel of the album, the whole, the whole album, like you were saying, it sounds like a journey, like because you, you got that that motoric beat going, and that just it, it sounds like you're heading into space or something. Like okay, so specifically, Silver Twin, uh-huh. that it sounds like you're on a train going to space. Space train. Space train. That's a new one. That's oh, a new God. one. That's like a that's like yeah. a side project. Uh-huh. Space train. <laughs> Dave Fulton's space train. And it's gotta have a wow. unicorn space train variant. I can see it. Unicorn <laughs> space train variant. Look, we're coming up with all these ideas. Yeah. I should be charging you guys. Oh, you're not? Oh, no. <laughs> Uh-oh. Whoa. Just, Dave's head just got enormous. It really did. What the hell? Sorry, is Hold. this one better? Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Dave's holding magnifying glasses up to his face. Yeah, this All is right. true. I can confirm that. Shit's getting weird now. Yeah. Now. So you've got this, this awesome new album. And like I mentioned before, you've got these two songs. You guys are... And, and maybe it's the spirit of Krautrock, because you, you're talking about, you know, these guys were experimenting, not afraid to try all kinds of new things. You've got two extended tracks back to back, a 14 minute track in in a space elevator backed with Stabilize, which is what, 13 minutes and some change? Yeah, probably. That's pretty bold, especially for, for someone who's, for me, like me, who's not really that familiar with Crack Rock. I listen to it. I'm like 13, 14 minute check. I'm like, all right, I get into that. Then the next one's 13 minutes. I'm like, wow, these guys are committed. <laughs> I, f- I feel like that's uh, kind of going back to, I was explaining in our practices, we'll just go. And I think for some reason, maybe it's a little more confidence or something that we're like, let's just, let's do that. Like, that's what we like to do. And not be afraid of that. I think before we're still maybe, I mean, we're always figuring out what we're doing. It's, it's always, that's part of what I love about, um, Motric is it always kind of feels like, well, where's this going to take us? You know, that, okay. Um, that's a good point because yeah. when I was listening to the first album, uh, the song Wolf, oh, that's, yeah. that's one of my favorites. 
That sounds yeah. like surf rock. There's definitely Ooh. like a surf vibe. Like, I don't know if you guys remember the, uh, I mean, they're still around, but they kind of hit a popularity, a, a level of popularity uh, in the nineties band called the Mermen. And they're yes. just, Oh yeah. I remember them. I, I get kind of a, a Mermen vibe from Wolf. It's, it's like a surfy with a lot of feedback and some distortion. And it's just, but I, I get that vibe a little bit out of wolf and i that's one reason i'm kind of drawn to it but you guys aren't afraid to throw in curveballs like that and I, that's one of the things i really liked about going back and listening to the entire catalog it was just wasn't sure what was going to pop up sometimes in the middle of a song I'm impressed you listened to the catalog. Yeah, that, that's. I, I feel like I need to do that. I've forgotten all yeah. this. Like, how, how did Wolf oh. go again? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was a, it was a beautiful riff that Cord got. Some, I think Cord came up with that one too. Yeah. That riff, and I doubled it if I remember correctly. Just on that's that was it was one of his more touching songs. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I even. And, and, Oh, I was gonna say, I oh even sorry, I just went I just, I was <laughs> No, no, you go first. Okay. Got it. I feel like I'm at night at the Roxbury right now. So I was listening to Artificial Head and I mean Outer Reaches, twenty minutes long. You guys really <laughs> commit to this stuff. Well, you we should be. <laughs> uh, you should be committed. Is that what I guess? Do you want to speak to that record? I feel like Artificial Head is going to be the album that that kind of is totally forgotten because we never really got a chance to play it out live. And it wasn't necessarily, it, it's a different kind of thing. So, I mean, wouldn't you agree side one and side two are completely different? Yeah, and I think side two, Outer Reach is the big jammer. That was kind of pointing the arrow. I'm going to bring it to the new album, Dave. That's yeah. what people want to hear about. I, I feel like that was pointing an arrow to the new, definitely. To the new album, like in, in, in where our headspace was, you know, so that, that definitely fits more, um, with the newer stuff. Okay. There were some little, there, were, uh, what's the, the, the poppy jangle streamline what's kind of came out of that same time period. kind of a mixture right like these right tighter song structures but then not afraid of the big jammers too i mean another thing about the big jammers is i've never been in a band i'm always the one that kind of wants to keep going with other people mm -hmm. i feel like in other groups i've played with like yeah let's keep jamming 
but with Motric, it's funny. I'll look around that. Oh my God, they're, we're going to keep going here. You know? I'm like, yeah. and, and when that happens to me, I'm like, you know, like that's, that's pretty special. Especially I feel like Lee, the drummer just, is I'm really he's gonna he, oh god he's not gonna stop here he's he then, won't stop <laughs> or, if, or if we do stop and then someone starts noodling on another riff that's you know you know close enough time he'll just fire in with that and like okay we're off for another 10 minutes wow you know? um so yeah i that the, the arrow pointing to the big jammers and in, in uh, outer reaches for sure so live shows for you guys I'm going to want to merge these two things together. So the, the new album you play, all of you play a wide variety of instruments, except for maybe Lee, you know, he's got drums, congas and a shaker. Stuff he hits. That's, that's a lot of stuff. There's a lot. He's got a lot to but, think about, but yeah. you've, I, I'm, I'm looking at the list here. So we've got, I'm not even going to try to pronounce half this stuff. I mean, I'm looking at one, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, thirteen 10, 11, 13 different types of synths for you, Dave. And then, Eric, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, wait, well, eight instruments, nine if you count your vocals. That's a lot. How do you guys do this live? Do you have to pick a set list well in advance to figure out what the hell instruments you're bringing on a, to a show. Uh, that was a big, this album's definitely the most layered out of any of our, any of ours. And so that was a thing we had to think about a lot. Uh, cause we just had our first show. Uh, God, Oh, it's one week ago today, Dave. It's a week ago. Yeah. Happy, happy anniversary. Mm -hmm. Um, so great. yeah, I feel good too. Do you feel, yeah. Yeah, I feel good about it still. Yeah, uh, and I and, beautiful. And I don't think disease was spread. So yeah, thank goodness Masked about up. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody in the audience, I think, was too. Yeah, at least that I saw. Um, shit. What were we talking about? Uh, playing all these wild oh, variety yeah. of instruments live. I was just thinking about last Friday and got all wistful. Oh, um, we're gonna do it again. Yeah, I'm not gonna do it again. I promise. <laughs> uh. So yeah, we had to figure out how to do, make these layers. And I think what we, and in addition to that, like there was a lot of, um, overdubbing, like I would add parts, chord would add parts, Dave would add parts, but we're going cross instrument. Like I would add a synth part, you know, or usually that might be more in Dave's wheelhouse. And so like learning what layer to play. And then if I played a certain layer, you know, then it's like Dave's learning that in addition. Um, and then I'm trying to figure out, okay, I was doing this with bass, um, on the song, but I was also playing this other weird sequence thing at the same time. Okay. Uh, not at the same time when I recorded it, but you know, <laughs> like when we threw it all together, um, and then, and we had congas. And so like, I think it's a twofold process that we had to deal with. At least my impression is like, pick what, what's the, the, the core of the song, what's the most important, like four or five pieces that we can play and it still sounds good. And then learn those, you know, learn, learn them okay. and, and implement them and, and see how it works. Now, Dave has been on the front lines. We're really proud of him. Um, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a journey. A trooper. He's been a, a real trooper. trooper. 
but uh we were concerned with the song red eye or i was when we recorded it just like how is this gonna happen live because it's That's very a sequenced great song Thank you. And but how are we going to do that? Right. We've never done the electronic thing live before. So what? Oh, wow. So I had to like figure out, okay, what if we had like a drum machine that's, that's spitting out some of these repetitive arpeggios and stuff to like have that happen. And then how do we integrate that with Dave? Cause Dave, you can give him different inputs and, and then, and then he'll plug them into his mechanisms. And so we're a MIDI band. Now we use the musical wow. instrument, digital interface. Wow, um, man. And yep, yep. What's this? But Dave, I feel like I want to hear it from your perspective. Well, I, I just want to say that the, at least as far as the live performance goes, what I thought is interesting is because we're, we're not locked. We are, we're locked, but we're not. Uh, I know that sounds odd, but uh, because uh, there's a lot of freedom because our drummer is actually really super good. We can kind of go into the clock and come out of it, go into the clock and come out of it. And we kind of do it. And I was noticing that. And I, I think that is the ultimate. That is what I want. Uh, I, I mean, that, that I felt really pleased with that aspect of the live performance. So despite the fact we have some MIDI running around now, we. Oh, it's a cliffhanger now. Yeah, Roboto that we used to have. Yep. Yep, for sure. Eric, I have a question for you. We, we'll wrap this up. I know I've, I've kept you guys for quite a while here. I mean, we're going well over an hour at this point. I saw something, one of my f favorite websites to check and, and get some background info on bands and, and some research material is Discogs. Yeah. And... You have a visual credit for Drive-By Truckers, The Unraveling. This is true. What, so what were you doing on that album? Uh, I took a picture of that, the front cover. That's, that's my photo. No, awesome. You replaced yeah. Wes Freed for an album or two. Well, an album. What's that? You replaced Wes Freed for an album. That's right. That's true. I, I never thought of it that way. I feel bad now. Um, <laughs> well, there was one, they did one other with a black and white cover. So that's true. That's true. Um, what, American band, right? Yes. Yeah. So we've, uh, um, Patterson and family live really close by to us and our two sons are like best buds. Oh, cool. And so that's my son and Patterson's son at wow. the beach. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like a lovely moment and, uh, I snapped the picture. I oh, snapped a few cause I like, this is so, so gorgeous. And I sent him and, and Patterson just like, Oh, that's, we got to make him. That's an album cover. Like he pretty, pretty soon. Like wow. he had made up his mind on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That so is that's awesome. pretty special. I got to try to yeah. get him on the show one of these days. Oh, totally. Yeah. 
Maybe Super, he's oh, he's so nice, and he's so like he has really been kind of a champion of Motric oh, as cool. of late. Um, not even as of late, like that was really a long on. time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he's having us come out to their homecoming. Um, they do a, a big show in Athens every year. Yeah, uh, it's like a three or four day kind of festival, oh, all at the wow. Forty Watt Club. And we're, we're rocking Friday night. So we're really stoked and so honored to be part of it. Oh, Um, that is great. What is that happening? That is January 17th. No, so yes. Uh, I think it's 17th. We're leaving this one. Mid. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to make a, we're going to do a Southern fried kraut, kraut rock tour. Southern Um, fried kraut. Yeah. Southern fried Audubon. Uh, We're going to, work our way to Athens. That's going to be the big, the big main event. Oh, that is awesome. Well, this will be out yeah. well before then. So that's hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to, we're going to yeah. sell some copies at the 40 watt. Awesome. Oh my yeah. God. That's move awesome. some units. Move some units. That's yep. really what we're about. I can tell. Unit moving. Yeah. <laughs> Unit moving. Hey, there's another band right there. The Unitarians. Dave, you just mind. came up with another side project. Units moving. <laughs> you guys yes. have so many side projects now you better get moving i know yeah we're busy i'm trying not to think about the big <laughs> unit versus the little unit thing but settle down dave wow this we're back this show suddenly got r-rated huh? damn it hey, <laughs> if your mind went there well, guys, where can people follow the band, uh, get information oh, yeah. about tours, buy the album, you can, albums? You, you can go to Instagram. I'd say That's follow our us. Favorite. Follow us on Instagram. It's our favorite platform. Yeah. Mine if too. you're not familiar with it, it's a, it's a um, picture sharing platform that people generally use on their mobile devices. And we, we like it. Um, I love it. And uh, we are a Motric band. So M. O-T-R-I-K B-A-N-D Motric Band and you get, go go on and give us a follow and tell us uh, Mark sent you here and we'll give you a, give you a thumbs up that's, that's all you'll get is a thumbs up thumbs up but that's worth it, it uh, yeah, yeah. So can, we generally announce kind of what we're doing there uh, okay. I'd say also visit our band camp uh, yeah very important which is motric.bandcamp yeah. Is that right, Dave? Can you confirm? Um, is this is true. <laughs> also, uh, Jealous Butcher. Um, yeah, we'll send them to Motric Bandcamp. I think, yeah, yeah um, that's easy to remember. But Jealous Butcher is our label as well. So you can definitely go there. And they've got all kinds of fun, fun things. That sounds delicious. It is. Uh, and they work with a bunch of cool bands. Yeah, um, it's Motric, excuse me, it's Motric.bandcamp. Motric.bandcamp.com. And you can pre order the album now. Excellent. Oh, that's awesome. Because red and blue vinyl. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for spending so much time with me and explaining Krautrock and giving me some new bands to listen to because I've listened to your whole discography at this point. So now I'm, I'm kind of hooked. You guys awesome. hooked me. Thank you. Happy to have hooked you. <laughs> yeah.
So well, what happens when you get so drunk you weep? What do you listen to, Bob? <laughs> that I want to know. Um, <laughs> if I can find my notes, I will tell you because. Okay, all right. Um, me you know, there's all kinds of weepy drunks, and there's yeah. you know, there's, you know, there's the violent drunk, of course. That's... There was that's you know that's a whole. It's a whole different soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. If I get to the the weeping stage, I'm usually, and this is the only time I would listen, I listen to this. I usually listen to like really old country, like Farron Young. Oh, that's weepy. Yeah. 